This is LBC with Nick Abbott. Call 0345 6060 973. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Let's go to Washington, D.C. and talk to uh, U.S. correspondent Simon Marks. Hello, Simon. Evening, Nick. So, in this country, people have been uh, running around like it's birthday and Christmas all rolled into one. Uh, how's it, the, the news about the uh, island of Ireland gone down in America? Well, they are managing to contain their excitement, but that I think is partly due to the fact that they want to see exactly what happens next, particularly with regards to the, 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 the DUP, as of course to people in uh, the UK and uh, Brussels. But look, I mean, to all intents and purposes, Joe Biden today secured in this agreement exactly what he's been holding out for, namely a negotiated settlement that protects the Good Friday Agreement. Remember, the Good Friday Agreement was brokered in very large measure by the United States. It views itself as the guarantor of that agreement, and uh, President Biden and other prominent figures, both within his administration and on Capitol Hill, had made it absolutely clear to successive Conservative Prime Ministers, uh, Boris Johnson uh, all the way through to Rishi Sunak, uh, that they were not going to tolerate anything that posed a threat to the Good Friday Agreement. And at various points, uh, President Biden and also the former Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, expressed frustration with what they were hearing from London, with uh, them occasionally saying that they weren't even sure that their message was getting through, that they were deadly serious, that there would be consequences, and that if they perceived anything happened with the Northern Ireland Protocol, that led to uh, damage to the Good Friday Accords, there would be no prospect of a trade agreement at all. Well, today, uh, at the White House, the President's National Security Advisor, John Kirby, uh, was briefing reporters about a whole array of different international developments and had this to say about what he thinks are the implications of the news that had been announced a few hours earlier in London. We believe that uh, this will help... um improve the prosperity uh, of both the EU uh, and the UK uh, and uh, will open up all kinds of now uh, avenues for trade that uh, that were somewhat at risk. Now, he's not exactly saying there that it's going to breathe new life into trade negotiations that could result in a UK-US post-Brexit free trade deal, but he certainly was indicating that there have definitely been problems on that particular uh, road to Damascus. We got a written statement later from President Joe Biden, a long written statement that I think underscores his personal commitment uh, to Ireland, uh, in which he says that the agreement is an essential step to ensuring that the hard-earned peace and progress of the Good Friday Agreement is preserved and strengthened. I appreciate, he writes, the efforts of the leaders and officials on all sides who worked tirelessly to find a way forward that protects Northern Ireland's place within the UK's internal market as well as the EU's single market to the benefit of all communities in Northern Ireland. And he goes on in this statement to say that Northern Ireland can accomplish the extraordinary when its leaders work together in common cause. And he expresses the hope that Northern Ireland's political institutions, by which of course he means uh, the Assembly, are soon back up and running. He says those institutions embody the principle of devolved power sharing and representative government that 
lies at the core of the Good Friday Agreement. Now, he's not there expressing certainty uh, that those governing institutions are going to continue functioning, return to functioning, because he, like everybody else, knows that, uh, you know, to some extent, everyone's waiting to hear what the DUP finally decides to do once they have uh, read this deal, fully digested it, and uh, worked out a final response. Uh, But certainly, President Biden there is trying to prod them in what he believes is the right direction. Right, so they were suggesting, the Americans were suggesting that Britain would receive uh, punishment, essentially, if they got this wrong, as far as the US was concerned, uh, and, the, and the punishment would be certain. But are they now saying that, the, that there is a, certain, a certainty of a prize now that they have got it right? Yeah, they're not saying that. And it was interesting that at that White House press conference today, the question that sparked that answer that I played you from National Security uh, Council spokesman John Kirby was actually inaccurately couched. It came from an American reporter in the White House who suggested that a US-UK free trade deal had almost been finalised under President Donald Trump and had then suddenly taken a backseat during the administration of Joe Biden. But that didn't happen at all. Donald Trump made no major efforts to advance a US-UK free trade deal. Uh, The clock then ran out on his presidency. Joe Biden came in, inherited uh, the economic whirlwind that COVID-19 had uh, meted out to the American economy and immediately said, I'm not interested in free trade deals with anyone because I want to focus on rebuilding America's economy. That's my priority. So it was notable there that John Kirby did not say uh, this is going immediately to result in a free trade deal because that remains a very long way off. Remember that even if tomorrow a magic wand was waved and agreement was reached on this free trade deal between uh, the two governments in London and Washington DC, it still has to go off to Congress to be ratified uh, because trade deals have the status here of treaties and therefore they have to be approved by Congress. And trade deals are notoriously difficult to get through Congress because you've got so many disparate interests there, uh, whether it's, you know, industrial lobbies or agricultural parts of the country. Everybody wants to debate every uh, scintilla of these trade deals and often demand rewrites to them. So we are still a very long way away from that. There was one uh, interesting response from Congressman Brendan Boyle, uh, who's a Democrat from Philadelphia. He's been very outspoken uh, on what he has argued was the threat to the Good Friday uh, Agreement that was uh, being posed by successive British Prime Ministers. He tweeted today, I commend UK and EU leaders upon reaching this important agreement. It is now vital that all parties return to the Northern Ireland and Assembly. Finally, after several years of friction over this issue, it's now time to fully come together. So he's also hedging bets and raising a question. What happens if the Northern Ireland Assembly still doesn't find a way of reconvening and governing? How much uh, of a sticking point is that going to be in any future trade discussion? But I don't know anybody here that thinks that that trade deal is now within reach or right around the corner. 
Yeah, uh, and also, I mean, the, in this country, we are, the government is desperate to sort of mitigate the loss that we've suffered, this self-inflicted wound from leaving the European Union and, the, and getting a trade deal with America would be the big prize. It, they don't really communicate the fact that it wouldn't have a, it wouldn't be, a, it would just be a tiny fraction of the trade that we have lost. The damage wouldn't be uh, mitigated by a free trade deal with the US. But, of course, America would be much more interested in doing a free trade deal with the EU because that's where the money is. Uh, yeah, and there are lots of other countries lining up that want to do free trade uh, deals with the United States. I mean, it was, uh, you know, this this notion that was promulgated by Barack Obama who suggested that uh, if uh, British governments went the wrong way, they'd be at the back of the line for a trade deal. Uh, well, they're not even close necessarily to the front of the line now. And I think it's also important to underscore that Washington, uh, like many other world capitals, is still kind of reeling from the political events that it has witnessed in the UK over the last several months. I mean, uh, yes, Rishi Sunak and Ursula von der Leyen came together today and made this announcement, and clearly it has the potential to usher in uh, an era of stability, at least in the relationship between uh, the UK and the EU. But when you put it into that kind of broader, more recent context, Washington's still scratching its head over Liz Truss. I mean, they're still trying to understand uh, if Boris Johnson remains a potentially potent political force. What has this, for example, done to his hopes of ultimately returning to the Conservative Party leadership and maybe even number 10 Downing Street? So uh, I think that it's important to underscore that, that brand Britain, at least in terms of governance, has been pretty bruised and damaged here over the last few months. And it's going to take more than just the Windsor framework and a, 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 and a trip to meet King Charles by Ursula von der Leyen to turn that around in the minds of the Biden administration. Now, I know that we did talk about this uh, yesterday, but for those who weren't listening uh, on uh, the Sunday evening show, what has uh, been the response to Boris Johnson saying, F America? Look, I think it's raised eyebrows here. I mean, it hasn't, frankly, been front-page news uh, in in the U.S., uh, nor, indeed, other than in the major national papers like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal as the as the Brexit deal. I mean, I don't think Americans are poring over the details of this uh, Northern Ireland Protocol agreement uh, or even really, tr in, in most cases, uh, have, have an understanding of why it's been such a, a major sticking point. Boris Johnson, as we said on the programme yesterday, has been making numerous appearances in the United States uh, to make money on the lecture circuit. But he's also been raising eyebrows in Washington because he's shown up a couple of times on Capitol Hill and done the rounds particularly of... Uh, some pretty conservative-leaning Trump-backed Republican members of Congress. Uh, the talk uh, in those meetings was often about Ukraine and other world events, but undoubtedly touched on uh, what was taking place with regards to the Northern Ireland Protocol. And again, it sort of raised eyebrows. Boris Johnson turning up in Washington, D.C. and treading the corridors of power. Boris Johnson turning up in Davos at the World Economic Forum. Um, 
clearly indicates to Joe Biden and others here that uh, even if they, in the case of President Biden, hope that the Johnson era is absolutely over and behind the UK, he definitely still covets a return to power, even if uh, he has to do that uh, at the price of uh, saying F the Americans and the role that they have been playing in trying to steer through this negotiated settlement uh, between the UK and the EU. So certainly, um, I think those that noticed it uh, realised that uh, at least in that particular conversation, Boris Johnson might have been reflecting frustration that he feels with the Biden administration over the fact that they're not offering him the kind of carte blanche that uh, the Trump administration offered him beforehand. Now, uh, you mentioned that uh, perhaps this is not being followed very closely by um, most uh, American voters. And as politicians are always in electioneering mode, is it possible that this is going to be perceived as a win for Joe Biden or is it really not going to move the dial in that regard? Well, I think Biden will definitely portray it as a win as far as uh, the Irish-American community is concerned, which of course is substantial and of which he considers himself a prominent member. Now, the Irish-American community, like other uh, communities across the country, is not monolithic. Uh, it doesn't all vote necessarily in the same way. But if you find yourself in states like like Massachusetts, for example, with a, a substantial Irish-American uh, population, uh, Rhode Island, for example, and others, you're going to find much more awareness of what has taken place today between the UK and the EU that you will find in, you know, Wyoming or Montana. Um, to some extent, Joe Biden, I think, will argue that he, and he's not alone in this, I mean, many Republican members of Congress were doing the same, have held the line and really forced the British government to uh, tear up any notion that Boris Johnson may have had of scrapping the Northern Ireland Protocol unilaterally and ignoring the warnings that were being uh, received from the United States. I mean, we're in a, a different world today than we were when, you know, Boris Johnson was at number 10 Downing Street. Uh, you had people like Connor Burns coming over here to Washington to try and uh, give uh, members of Congress a, a piece of his mind. Uh, I mean, we've moved on from all of that and, of course, from the role that uh, Lord David Frost has played uh, in British politics. And uh, Joe Biden will portray this as uh, a foreign policy win that he will hope will cement his popularity, at least with some core constituencies here, even if it doesn't necessarily play out on the national stage. And just finally, is this one of those very, very rare bipartisan issues in that both parties are sort of on board? and moving in the same direction. Yeah, I mean, it is pretty much. Uh, there is certainly Republican support uh, for what uh, Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi were doing. And this, of course, was always, you know, there was this notion that Liz Truss, when she was prime minister, was hoping to run out the clock. Uh, of course, the clock eventually ran ran out her. But, I mean, the uh, you know, she was hoping that the midterm elections here in the United States were going to bring about a seismic change, a Republican victory, and she wouldn't be dealing with the these troublesome Democrats who were telling her not to renegotiate, not, not to tear up the, the, um, the, the Northern Ireland Protocol. But the reality was, and, and I think you and I talked about it at the time, that a Republican uh, landslide that, of course, never occurred would not actually dramatically have changed the calculation on Capitol Hill. People like Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the Senate, absolutely don't want to see damage being done to the Good Friday agreements. And there are many uh, Republicans in the House of Representatives that take 
take uh, the same view. So it, it was never obvious uh, that a change in the party that controlled both houses of Congress was going to be any more propitious for those people who backed the kind of the Boris Johnson approach to all of this uh, than they have found uh, in the current White House and in uh, the figure of former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Always good to talk to you. Thanks a lot, Simon. Simon Marks, LBC's US correspondent, talking to us there from Washington, D.C.